6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verses 1 through 72. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Do you feel the the drawing there? Um, The fact that we're pilgrims, by the way, it's important to understand that if we're pilgrims, we need to understand that we're enmeshed in laws that are foreign to us. We've just come back from a trip to uh, Australia and New Zealand. And if you're used to driving in the United States, you've got some adjustments when you're a pilgrim in another country. And you better understand, it's important not to confuse the two, right? Because obviously, you know, in, in Commonwealth countries, some, not all of them, in, in a number of them, you drive on the left side or on the right side. And that doesn't bother you driving the car, but it sure drives, dri- dri- bothers you the pedestrian. Because when you step off the curb, you're always looking the wrong way. That's why in London now, they've got it painted on every corner. Look, you know, it tells you which way to look, you know. Because you're instinctively, you look the wrong way because you're so used to the right-handed thing. Anyway... The point is, is that we are a stranger on the earth. We need to understand that. And we respond to a different set of laws, hopefully. And, uh, okay. Continuing, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did seek and speak against me. Here's another one of his illusions that the psalmist was in a high place because he's got princes... You know, speaking against them. But thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies are, also, are my delight and my counselors. This gives you a broader view of the law than we t- typically have if you confine your perspective from the New Testament epistles. The next one is a Dalith. A cry for quickening is the Dalith. And uh, Spurgeon... Uh, the Dalit is, like, is sort of like our D, if you will. So Spurgeon called this one depression, devotion, determination, and dependence. And uh, anybody who's been a graduate of one of the seminaries knows that somehow things are more true if you can start them all with the same letter. They call that alliteration. And uh, I try to avoid it, but that's a very common um, thing of many uh, commentators is to try to make everything alliterative. So Spurgeon would say depression, devotion, determination, and dependence. Okay. But continuing here, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. You know, everything draws us down. Everything draws us down. Cleaveth to, everything brings it. Watch television. What happens to you? Down, down. Read the newspaper. You may not realize that those are the entropy laws at work. Everything moves towards disorder. Everything moves towards randomness. That's just the law of physics. That's the second law of thermodynamics. And uh, that's also the law in our society. It goes to the lowest common denominator. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. 
I have declared thy ways, and thou hurtest me. Teach me thy statutes. It's interesting, we often, when we're in trouble, pray for deliverance. We shouldn't do that. Ross Perot and his company was very well known. Many leaders do this. When you, have a, when you come into his office after a big disaster, you just really messed up, you walk into his office. His first question is, no problem. What would you learn from that experience? And we should ask ourselves that when we're in trouble. We shouldn't pray to get out of the trouble if it's God-ordained. We should make sure we don't repeat it. I don't, we should pray that these lessons not be wasted. What have we learned from that experience? I've declared my ways. Thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. We're students. What have we learned from this experience should be our question. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Make me understand, and I will spread the word. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. And Gesenius, the Hebrew expert, says that word really means keep us alive. An entreaty that the waste of life through tears might be restored by his word. Remove me from the way of the, the lying. And by the way, one of the assignments we'll give our students when they take the psalm is count the number of ways. There's at least eight times that lying is mentioned in this psalm. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. For I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. You know, if we think up clever schemes to defend ourselves and slander others, that prevents the Lord himself from defending us. The minute you do that, you foreclose his stepping up. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, Romans 12, and so on. I have stuck into thy testimonies, Lord, put me not to shame. He's passing, you're passing it to him to handle. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Enlarging the heart. More, make it more room. More room to breathe. More, more open. The next letter is a he. And the he is like a breath. Like if you remember uh, George Bernard Shaw's uh, play called Pygmalion that was made into a movie called uh, My Fair Lady. Remember Henry Higgins to, uh, to get this... Um, Cockney gal to, she could never pronounce H's, so she gave them, you know, the, in Hartford, Hereford, Hampshire, hurricanes never happened, and she had to, you know, they had that instrument, so anyway, the hey, that, it's an H, it's like our H, and so it's an out-breathing. What's an out-breathing? Okay, it's, it's going to be faithfulness, the result of divine inworking. It's, this group, this octave, will be the most prayer-laden segment of the psalm. So it's a hey is an outbreathing. It's the whole thing is a uh, a prayer. I I am convinced that no matter how much we study, we'll miss a great deal of it because it was designed to be in Hebrew. And all of us, at best, you know, have that very second or third hand. But let's go on. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Wow, ending well is what it's really all about. And the teach me, there, the word teach there really means point out or indicate to me, show me. Because he wants to finish well. 
And give me understanding, I shall keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. There again, it's the wholeheartedness that's emphasized. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Covetous, the loss, what Ambrose calls the loss of the soul. And uh, double-minded men are vulnerable people, according to James chapter 1. Most of you are familiar with that there. Uh, in the, uh, back here, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. The word path there in verse 35 is a different word than the way of uh, verse uh, 33. And uh, one of them is a uh, public road, and the other one is a footpath seldom used. Make me to go in the narrow path, the one that... The, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, the lo- I'm starting to say the lonesome road. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, huh? The path less traveled. That's what I'm fumbling for. The path less traveled. Okay. The whole game is to finish well. Doesn't everybody finish well? No. Lot didn't. He blew it. Samson. Started off great, few pranks, didn't accomplish a lot. King Saul started off great, blew it. Ahithophel, the counselor of David, sounded great. He finally betrayed him. Solomon, incredible Solomon, took Israel to its peak commercially and every other way. Peace in his time. He blew it, became apostate near the end. Demas, Paul talks about. You can make a list of the people in the Bible who started off great and then blew it. Before the end. Make me to see, make me to understand, make me to go, and make me to love to go the narrow path. That's, the, that, you know, that, that's, that's one uh, for. See, it's not our promises to him that count, it's his promises to us. Verse 33 says, point it out to me. Verse 34, explain it to me. Verse 35, lead me. Verse 36, incline or bend me or my heart. Quicken me in thy thoughts and righteousness. This is, this is Martin Luther's summary of these five verses. Point it out, explain it to me, lead me, incline or bend me, and then quicken me in thy righteousness. This is practical stuff, day-to-day stuff, real stuff. Continuing. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Do you realize that eyes have an appetite? We must be careful where we focus them. Eyes that feast on the vanities of this world will never see the wonders of God's Word. Many people will read these and just see words and not, you know, embrace what it's really communicating. And if that's happening to you, the, the, the remedy is devotion and meditation. That's why all the clean animals in the scripture are those that chewed the cud. Thy words were found and I did eat them, the writer frequently says. Establish thy word on the servant who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach which I fear for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me. In thy righteousness. 
Now we get to a difficult one. Vav is not really a letter that starts words. Vav is really used as a conjunction. And every line in this quatrain, or excuse me, octrain, uh, is, is, um, starts with a conjunction. So it all starts with Vav, but it's a little misleading because the word Vav itself is a connector, if you will. And uh, so, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. And uh, so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. That should be our response to any situation that's troublesome. Our response should be from a reservoir of the word of God that should be in our heart. So, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, <clears throat> for I seek thy precepts. I will walk at liberty. The law is a freeing thing, not a, combining, a, a you know, confining thing. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. Do, do you see echoed all through here? Do you feel the throb of the psalmist's heart? He loves the law. It's not a fearsome thing. It's not an onerous thing. It's not a set of fences that we, to keep us, you know, in some narrow way. No, it's actually a freeing thing. It, free, it, it guards us from danger. And uh, one of the things that happened to me when I was a very small child, and I, I can't explain why particularly, it just happened, but I got, developed a very early love of the Word. I, I was sitting on the steps, that, a couple of steps that went down to our living room. There was a book, a bookshelf there. We didn't have that many books. We had some there. My, my parents were foreign-born. But there was a Bible. I picked it up and started to read it. Genesis 1. Uh, gee, this is interesting. The first man. I was a little kid. First man. Wow. You know, I could read. I mean, it was, you know, I, I don't know. I must have been six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. And I just found it fascinating and got interested in, in it and and uh, for some, by the grace of God, developed a love for the Word very, very early. And into, into my impressionable teens, I started to collect things and studied more. And when I ran into problems or ran into disbelief, I sort of dismissed it, just went on, kept, and, and uh, praise God. I, I just, his hand was, I guess, on me. I just, um, I will delight thy, myself in thy commandments which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. That's a key word. Meditate in the statutes. The next letter is Zane, hope and affliction. And uh, the, the, the key word in this octave or octrain is remember. Occurs three times in these four verses. Then um, the remember and then the consequences of remembering. There is a parallel between this and Deuteronomy. All through, by the way, Psalm 119, many commentators see the comparison with the Deuteronomy, which is the second, Moses, uh, it's actually a collection of three sermons at the end of Moses' life. And he summarizes the Torah in, those, in, the, in the book of Deuteronomy. The last book, sort of, it's a wrap-up kind of thing. But uh, here too, Deuteronomy has remember 15 times, the word forget 14 times. So it's a, there's a, a stylistic similarity here. 
And uh, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me, made me alive. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. Wow. And boy, are there many parallels of that. Daniel, as a teenager, was forced to, into an inappropriate diet. He stuck with his thing. He, they derided him, but he stuck with his guns. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Wow. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night and have kept thy law. Thy name. What's his name? Yodhevavhe. A play on the, the verb. Yach. The, 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 I, I, he is. Uh, 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 Always has been. It, the, the name of God is a Hebrew way of emphasizing his existence, his sovereignty, his power, and the dynamic of working out his will in the world, in the universe. And, uh, and in the book of Psalms, collectively, there's over a hundred references to the name of God. And I encourage you to do, undertake a study of the names of God in the Old Testament, and the I am statements of Jesus Christ in the writings of John, both his uh, uh, gospel and his epistles. The I am. The I am. I am that I am. This I had because I kept thy precepts. Next letter is a cheth. God our portion. And uh, this is the eighth contrain, or yeah, uh, octrain. I keep saying contrain. I think keep thinking of fours. You know, it's octrain. Eight, a group of eight. And this next one is our eight verses that expand the last verse of the previous one. I have kept thy precepts. That's what this is going to expand on. Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. Spurgeon says the poet is lost in wonder while he sees that the great and glorious God is all his own. There's no possession like Yotevavhe himself, or Jehovah, as Spurgeon would be translated. And uh, thou art my portion. God's his own. It's a, it's a strange expression, but you understand his passion, his concern, his possessiveness. <clears throat> I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Turned his feet. In other words, he's readjusted the, his navigation to fit the Lord's path. This is what he's saying. I turned uh, my feet unto thy testimonies. Putting it in more GPS terms, your, your, what's your path to heaven? You turn to the right and then keep straight on. Right? Little double pun there, but I'll leave you with that. Okay. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. I made haste. What does that suggest? Duty discovered should be instantly discharged. He that knoweth the good and doeth not, damn it is sin. Duty discovered should be hastily discharged. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. 
Is there some baggage in your life that you know you should drop? Do it now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Do it now. Is there something in your life that you know God would have you abandon? Do it now. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. The bands also means companies or crowds. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. And that should echo Acts 16 in your ears because it was at midnight in the prison cell that Paul and Silas sang praises to God. Can you imagine seeing in the middle of the night? That must have annoyed some people, huh? At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee. I, bet, I wouldn't be surprised if they quoted this to themselves because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. That's who our friends should be. I want to be a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. That doesn't mean we don't mingle with ungodly, but we always remember they're ungodly. Our close friends should be those that we have a God in common. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Okay, the next one is a teth. It's a, like a T in a sense. And a review of divine healings. Huh? And all eight of the quatrain, of course, starts with a teth. And it's Spurgeon, of course, that um, observes that in our version, they too all start with a T. But you have, there's two of them, 67 and 70, you have to put a tiz, you have to, you know, do a poet's cheat there, a, a till or tiz, you can't say until, you say till, right, you say, but uh, okay. So um, each one of these will start with a T by doing that little adjustment. So it fits the English. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. It reads before in your thing, I'm going to say, till I was afflicted and I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with a whole heart. Boy. And their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. And one commentator pointed out, should, the critics of the Bible should go on a diet, or they may die of heart trouble. The, whole, the Word of God is marvelous for heart trouble. See, fatness and grease are adverse terms in the Scripture, not in the sense of weight, but in the sense of, as an emblem of pride and insensibility. They speak of grease as something you want to avoid. We want to avoid it maybe dietetically, but in the Scripture, you're talking about it because it involves an insensibility. And it's in Psalm 17 and 73 and Isaiah 6 and elsewhere. And uh, their heart, that's the ungodly, is as fat as grease. In other words, it's overweight and insensitive. But I delight in thy law. Tis good for me... I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. It's an interesting footnote that I couldn't resist including here. The largest Bible in the world is in Hebrew, and it's in the Vatican. It, uh, it weighs 320 pounds. It's a huge, huge Bible. 
And uh, the Russian Jews got a syndicate together and tried to buy it from the Vatican. And Pope Julius II refused an offer, but what the offer was, they were willing to pay in gold the same weight as the Bible. Well, they still didn't sell it, but I think that's it. they were willing to pay what today would be about $3 million. And the Vatican wouldn't let, it, let go of it. So uh, the law of my mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver. Well, so far then, we have covered in our first part of this review of Psalm 119, all the way from verse 1 to verse 72. In other words, from the Aleph to the Teth. We've covered nine of the 22 letters. And so in the next session, we will cover from verse 73 through the end of the psalm. The Yod through the Tau, or the Tav, the last letter of the alphabet. And so uh, for the next session then, I want you to reread the first half of Psalm 119. Won't hurt. But to really study carefully, verses 73 to 176. So let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we just kneel before you in awe as we realize this precious gift you've given us of your word. We would pray, Father, that you would reignite in each of us a new appetite, a new hunger for your word, that we might grow in grace the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that you care so much for us that you involve yourself in our lives and you've gone to these extremes that we might have life. We pray, Father, you'd help each of us to be more diligent in pursuing your word and responding to it, to be more effective stewards of the opportunities you've placed before us as we commit ourselves into your hands in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.